This episode is brought to you by Merrick Pet Care. And if you've heard me talk about Grammy, you know that she means the world to me. I wanted a dog for probably 10 years and I was living in an apartment, couldn't have dogs. When I finally moved somewhere else, I adopted her within weeks and it was love at first scritch. She's about two feet away from me as I record this. She hangs out in the studio and all I want to do is smooch her and look at her and stare at her. I also like feeding her because I see how happy it makes her. And there's nothing like watching her lick her chops after having yummy stuff like Grammy's pot pie or real Texas beef and sweet potato, which are two recipes she's been enjoying for America. As her parent, I like that they use deboned meat and fish or poultry as the number one ingredient. I also like that they have these real ingredients and you can see them on the bag so you know what's in each one. And watching her do a little dance, especially with a Grammy's pot pie recipe, brings too much joy to my heart. Is there such a thing as too much joy? I'm not sure. But check out Merrick online or in your local pet store and look for their new packaging with real ingredients shown on the bag and inside it. Building a portfolio with Fidelity Basket Portfolios is kind of like making a sandwich. It's as simple as picking your stocks and ETFs, sort of like your meats and other topics, and managing it as one big, juicy investment. Mmm, now that's pretty good. Learn more at fidelity.com slash baskets. Investing involves risk, including risk of loss. Fidelity Brokerage Services, LLC. Member NYSC SIPC. Hi there, this is your internet uncle dad to say that this is an episode of Smologies, which is when we take a long, weird, not for kids episode and we whittle it into something that is classroom safe and filthless for Smologites. So it's shorter, hence it's called Smologies. So grownups, if you want something a little spicier and much more thorough, the full length episode link is right in the show notes. You can go straight to that. But if you want something short and safe, onward. Here we go. Oh, hey, it's that lady who wants to sample three gelatos, but can only bear to make the gelato person give her two samples and then just buys the flavor that she always gets. Allie Ward, back with another episode of Ologies. Okay, so speaking of eating, actually, you're about to change the way you look at food and the future. So finally, the power to change the planet. It's in your hands, dog. And it's in your smoothies. and It's in your mouths. Get ready for some bug science some human history, and some, dare I say, hope, entomophagy anthropology. Let's just get the heck into it. So entomon in Greek means insect, phage means to eat, and anthropology, of course, is the study of human peoples. So I'm so stoked about this episode. And this ologist, perhaps the leading expert on planet Earth about this topic, she got her bachelor's at Northern Illinois University in anthropology. She got a master's and a PhD in anthropology at University of Michigan. And she's an assistant professor of anthropology at Wayne State University in Detroit. She wrote the literal book about humans eating bugs. It's titled Edible Insects and Human Evolution. I first saw a video of hers where she referred to eating insects as just eating very tiny animals, and I was just charmed, and I needed to make her my friend. And we had a lovely time chatting about gateway bugs, grasshopper tacos, abandoning learned cultural fears, unctuous scorpions, termite farts, food security concerns. So open up and say ants for entomophagy anthropologist Dr. Julie Lesnick.
So I started studying tool tools first. So I went, I was an archaeologist as an undergrad. I worked in Europe just because that's where field schools that I could get onto were. Um, and then in a going into graduate school, I had this very like philosophical existential moment of like, I kind of wanted to, to relate humans back to that biological being that we are, as opposed to the sort of like elevated God that we pretend we are sometimes. And so that was really the driving question for me going into grad school. Then it just became available to me to study these bone tools that are from South Africa that were demonstrated to have been used to dig into termite mounds. So researchers had done experiments on sort of their own bone fragments to match the, to find the best match for the wear pattern on these ancient tools that are about 1.7 million years old. Oh my God. And their conclusion was termite mounts. So this came out right before I started grad school. So Julie had the chance to go to South Africa and she was looking at tools used to dig into termite mounds. And then because of her love of animals, it got her interested in chimpanzee behavior around termite mounds. She's like, what is happening with primates and termites? Primates, termites. Let's get into it. I like to imagine her standing on termite mound in khaki shorts and dusty field boots and then sprinting into a library, maybe. And what kind of tools do chimps use? They typically, do they just dip a stick in there, kind of like it's a corn dog batter or what? <laughs> right. Uh, chimps, they, it's amazing that actually how refine the tools are. So some chimps will use like a long blade of grass or a stick that they strip of leaves with their teeth. And just like there are regional cooking trends, like how an iced oat milk, lavender vanilla latte might be easier to come by in LA than maybe Oklahoma. Different chimp populations have different strategies and perhaps preferences. But some run it through their premolars, so it shreds. And oh. then that one blade of grass turns into a lot of basic hair, basically hairs, which increases the surface area, which means more termites can attach to it. Oh, my God. Like a feather dust. Yes. Kind of, right. Yeah. And they, so, yeah, the more. So it's like a mini broom. And so what people do is they dig a hole into the mound and, and dip a whole broom in. And it might just be from the vegetation, like grab handfuls of grass. And so it increases the surface area. So you just get all these termites out in one big dip. And so that's basically what the chimps are doing when they're running that grass through their teeth and, and fraying it, so they're increasing the surface area. So there are more people on Earth who eat bugs than who don't, right? So, <laughs> or maybe yes, not. Yes and no. Like, it's so hard. It's hard to calculate the numbers. Okay. Um, but a lot of people eat bugs. More countries have cultures that eat insects than countries that have zero insect consumption. Um, and so, yeah, so it's Western. It's a very Western idea to not eat bugs. And so that was kind of where my research took a turn. And I wasn't expecting this. I wanted to understand that more. And the first thing I thought was, well, if Western is stemmed in Europe, and I was thinking kind of human evolution and the first hominids in Europe, or, you know, at least the Neanderthals who, you know, were well established in Europe. It's like, okay, that's the Pleistocene. That's the ice age. They probably weren't eating bugs. And so if we trace our ancestry in Europe, all the way back to Neanderthals, the very first occupants were not eating bugs. Ooh, I have never thought about this. This is exciting. Were they not eating bugs because it was too chilly for bugs or why weren't they? Both. I think in for the majority of the time, they wouldn't have been available. It is much more tropical uh, resource and kind of as you leave to higher latitudes, insect consumption reduces. Oh my God. Yes. 
So it's colder, fewer bugs chilling on branches, like, hello, I am a tiny, crunchy hot dog for you. So people eat fewer bugs, that gets passed down for generations. So simple. This is so simple, but it blew my mind. You know, when it comes to getting Americans in the westernized world to be on board with crickets, do you think that with climate change being such a pickle, (laughs) to put it mildly, do you think that's what's going to push people over to try things? I, you know, I'd hope so, but actually I think it's not that it's not drawing some people in, but it's just not drawing in the numbers that are going to make the change. Okay. And so I, and, and there's been a lot of people saying this since day one with all of this and it, and I absolutely believe it is to be true is that what needs to happen is they just need to be so delicious that people need it. (laughs) Like they need to try that whatever cricket thing. And that requires having chefs and food scientists and everybody on board to experiment and come up with these amazing, delicious things. Like popcorn crickets or something? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like make it unhealthy. Yeah. Just to get it on board. And get people, because crickets, they do have their own unique flavor. I mean, for the most part, most animal proteins, we just cover it up with seasoning and flavor. Anyways, Mm -hmm. But there is a flavor in crickets that's unfamiliar. And so finding that deep fried thing that gets everybody on board and gets you more familiar with that flavor, and then you're more willing to use that flavor in other areas of your life. Some other bugs that might make an appearance on menus of the future, beetles, caterpillars, bees, dead, of course, locusts, grasshoppers, stink bugs, and perhaps even flies. Those that feed on cheese taste like cheese. Hmm? Yeah? Your old dad ward right here has eaten grasshopper tacos, graciously prepared by lepidopterologist Phil Torres, plus a whole menu of other bugs, which we'll get to later. Just admit it. You're intrigued. And in terms of the environmental impact, if that is motivating, you say maybe you're trying to cut down on your red meat consumption, your factory farming, and you want to go, as you said in one of your talks, to eating tiny animals <laughs> as opposed to bigger <laughs> right, animals. I love that you refer to them as tiny animals because you're like, yeah, they are just they're just animals. They're just very tiny animals. Um, But if you were to try to sketch out the difference between eating 100 grams of insects versus 100 grams of meat and the difference environmentally, like what are we talking? Oh, my gosh. Uh, So... I always like to, my, my, I use this, maybe this is my Detroiter in me. Um, actually, I think it was my husband who's from Detroit, um, <laughs> who, who gave me this metaphor originally is, uh, thinking about the scale of the different livestock. So cows to pigs to chickens to insects. And they're very similar to like, the fuel efficiency of different vehicles on the road. So uh-huh. like cows are your, uh-huh. your very large trucks that are just eating up resources and you're not like the turnover on that is awful. And then pigs might be your SUV and then, <laughs> you know, chickens might be your sedan and then crickets are your smart car. Oh my God. Um, and so it is, everything scales with size. So the smaller you get, the more efficient those animals are at converting the feed you give them to converting that to energy and nutrients for us. But if we start to dress in tuxes and just belly up to all-you-can-eat cricket buffets, will it stay sustainable? When we scale up crickets to the level of producing chickens, how efficient are they going to be? And that is an important question we need to ask and, you know, that people are working on. But just in general, just in them, their physiology as biological beings is more efficient than any of the other livestock we, we eat. Is there any flimflam about eating bugs that you would want to debunk first and foremost? Disease vectors. 
is one. Um, people always think that they carry diseases and they, they don't unless they're exposed to them. When I offer insects to people or the insects I eat are produced at facilities just for human consumption. So those facilities are clean to the standards of anything, whether you are processing cheese or vegetables or meat, you know, there's a certain standard of cleanliness that we have to have in our food production facilities. And so as long as you get your insects from there, you don't have the contaminants. So what insects have you personally eaten? Um, and how were they? they? Oh, man. I mean, I've had crickets and mealworms the most because that's what's farmed here in the U.S. I've had a lot of termites, which are my favorite. But so one, they're my favorite because I've had them the freshest besides live from the mound. I've had them like <laughs> straight from the mound, boiled for a minute, salted, consumed, and they tasted just like popcorn. It oh. was delicious. Um, but I always like to put this little like asterisk caveat is that termites are kind of like mini cows and they produce a lot of methane. And so for as delicious as termites are, I really do not ever want to see them scaled and produced on a large like scaled production for human consumption because we're just going to run into the same greenhouse gas issues that we do with cows. Why are they so farty? It's because of digesting just cellulose dense. Yeah. So it's like the when you break down really dense cellulose matter, whether it's wood or grass, that's what cows are doing. And so it just takes so many levels of digestion and the symbiotic relationships with the bacteria that breaks it down. So it's really the bacteria in the guts that are, you know, creating the gases. Um, so yeah, they, they have a very similar diet to cows. And so they produce a very similar oh byproduct. God. Yeah. So maybe those would be at the bottom of your bug list. Yeah. So it's like, they're delicious, but like get them in a marketplace when you're traveling. Mm -hmm. um, and I had surprisingly I had a June bug and June bugs really? and now uh, June bugs are creepy like because they're they like hit you in the head and they're basically like a little flying helmet like they're just <laughs> solid right but they're it was a nice crunch to eat actually it was a very pleasant crunch you eat the shell yeah they were whole yeah okay it's yeah. like a soft shell crab yeah yeah it's like exactly. spider roll yeah <laughs> what about uh like silkworms or I'm trying to think the things I've eaten. Silkworm uh, is delicious. I've had it mostly in like soups. Mm -hmm. And what I like in that too is if you have bubble tea. <laughs> like, oh, yeah. like to me, the whole like silkworms in the bottom of my soup is like getting the bubble in my bubble tea, like through the straw. Um, oh. So that's to me what silkworm larva is like. Um, I hear ants, some ants can taste like lemons. Yeah. And that's um, the, the defense mechanisms. If they have the formic acid defense mechanism, then you get that real tangy, lemony kind of effect from them. But their eggs... Escamoles is a like a delicacy in Mexico, which are ant eggs. Um, and ant eggs are eaten probably everywhere ants are. So I know in Southeast Asia, they eat ant eggs as well. And they're eggs. Like, it's crazy. I've only seen it in a video, but they have like a whole like frying pan of these ant eggs. And so the ant eggs themselves are only, you know, a half a centimeter in diameter, but they fry them up and it turns into like one big omelet. Like it looks amazingly delicious. And I've had them in a dip. I've had, you know, and they're just kind of savory and interesting texture and they're delicious. I mean, the ant eggs are really one of my favorite things, but the the fact that they're eggs, like they cook a lot like eggs, like kind of blew oh, my mind. so nuts. Yeah. There's just a lot of teeny, yeah, teeny, 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 tiny eggs. Tiny yeah, eggs. you cook enough of them, you have an omelet. <laughs> Can I ask you some Patreon questions? Yeah. Okay. 
But before we devour those questions, we try not to bug you with just a little ad break, which makes it possible for us to donate to a charity for every Smologies episode. And this week, we're tossing some money at Austin, Texas-based nonprofit littleherds.org. And Little Herds educates and empowers communities, both locally and globally, to support and promote the use of insects for food and as feed as an environmentally sound an economically viable source of nutrition. And since the COVID-19 pandemic, Little Herds has shifted their focus from helping people eat insects to helping people eat and combating food insecurity. So they are great. They are at littleherds.org. There's a link in the show notes. Thank you, sponsors. Oh, Kiwiko. We love you. Kids love you. Parents love you. Uncle Allies love you. Here's the deal. So whether you're staying at home or you're heading out on some summer explorations, KiwiCo is inviting kids, also kids at heart, that's you, to enjoy their first ever summer adventure series. So kids from two years old to teens can receive six hands-on science and art project kits over six weeks. They have something for everyone. They have different topics for each age, whether your kid wants to explore space or learn about dinosaurs. And I've heard from my parental friends that summer can be a little challenging to keep the kids busy. KiwiCo's like, we did the legwork for you. And the Summer Adventure Series is this personalized experience with super fun activities like a bottle rocket kit where kids can build an actual bottle rocket. And you can either receive all of your summer adventure crates at once or weekly for six weeks. I think it's so amazing that they have different crates for different ages. Everything from the great outdoors that has like giant bubbles or a window garden to a trebuchet kit for ages 9 to 14. An entrepreneur where you can do textured clay projects. If you have kids, if you know kids, keep them occupied and learning and having fun this summer with KiwiCo. And you can get 20% off your summer adventure series at kiwico.com slash ologies summer. That's 20% off your summer adventure at kiwico.com slash ologies summer. Oh, have fun. Oh, it's heating up. It's time to say bye now to your jackets and your sweaters and your tights and get reacquainted with shorts and tees, breezy things. Can I point you to the direction of Quince? What I love about Quince, you can build a lineup of timeless pieces. They keep you looking effortlessly chic year after year without spending a fortune. They have premium European linen dresses, blouses, and shorts. They start at $30. They have washable silk tops. And I love that all Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands because they partner directly with top factories. They cut out the cost of the middleman and then they pass the savings on to you. So whether you need a sundress you can wear to a picnic or you need some good t-shirts or tanks that feel nice on your skin and are well-made, head over to Quince. I love them so much I put them on my body. That's what clothes are for. Get warm weather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com slash ologies for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash ologies to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash ologies. Okay, let's let those questions fly. Jordan Wormy wants to know, highest protein insect, biggest bang for the buck in terms of eating the creepy crawlies. Jordan Let's call them not yeah, crawlies. Stay, stay away from the C words. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so anything in its more adult phase is probably going to have 
more protein and anything in its younger phase, like a a caterpillar or a beetle larva is going to have more fat. So crickets are going to be more protein rich, more likely than your mealworms and mealworms are going to have more fat. So from buttery to meaty. Exactly. Just like us. <laughs> yes, we get sinewy as yes, we get older. Right, exactly. <laughs> um, Rosaria Aneira wants to know, what are the best bug recipes? Ooh, um, I think that the best thing to do with bugs for me to start is to put them in a taco. Um, because in, in your taco, you have all the things you already love and are super familiar with. So your salsa and your guacamole and your sour cream. And so you just toast up your crickets with some chili powder, a little bit of lime, and you put them in there and it's a wonderful place to start. I've had them. Yeah, right. Yeah. I it's a good, good crunch. And, yeah, it was yeah. a great crunch. It's like a, a bunch of little soft shell crabs. Yeah, it was great. Thank you, Phil Torres, for that and for adding cricket powder to your Norwegian wedding cake, which was, I can attest, so good. It was dense, chewy, nutty. I very much regret not stuffing more of it into my purse. Uh, Lauren Eckert wants to know, given recent studies showing that insect populations are in massive decline in some areas, do you think insect protein is still a sustainable option moving forward? I love that question. And and. Yes, I do think it is because if you're focused on eating the insects that are farmed for human consumption, so the cricket populations at Entomo Farms in Toronto who's producing them, that's not at all affecting kind of global ecology and insect loss. Um, So for us here in the United States, eating the farmed insects is not a problem Increasing insect consumption around the world where it might increase wild harvesting can potentially be problematic, but I don't think that's not going to be the reason why insects go into decline. It's more of the climate and and the climate that change that we're inducing or at least contributing to. um, That's the problem. Sophie... Cousin O wants to know, a friend of mine is super allergic to all shellfish mm. and claims this means they're probably also allergic to insects. Does that make sense? Or are they just trying to find an excuse not to try <laughs> eating bugs? That, I think a lot of people had that question. That's a really great question. And truthfully, we always say if you have a severe shellfish reaction, you, you're going to want to be careful around insects. However... I am not sure it's ever triggered at least that same severe like anaphylactic response in somebody who had a shellfish allergy. The thing is, is people might have specific insect allergies. So if you're just a person who's allergic to everything, you might not want to try them, you know, because... To me, there's less concern of allergies because we do consume insect parts regularly. Like there are insect parts in all of our processed foods. Do we eat any spiders while we sleep? I don't know. I mean, I'm yes, I'm sure, but like <laughs> probably not the quantity that people think. Like I don't think as many as the scare tactics say that we do. But I could do a whole ten minute aside about the research I just did about swallowing spider statistics and the conspiracy theories behind it, but it boils down to it's a myth. Spiders are terrified of you. They do not crawl in your mouth. You should be so lucky. Cause free snack. Come on, man. Oh, Greer Nelson has a question. How are the bugs that are sold as edibles killed? Oh, that's a great question. So the insects will be fasted for a while. So they aren't fed. So they then clear out 
whatever was in their intestinal system. So you get a get a clean bug. And then most commonly, they are then frozen. So you put them into a freezing um, chamber freezer, I think we call them. Um, And uh, but you put them in a freezer and basically they go into a natural state of hibernation. They go into a torpor and then you keep them in there and then they will ultimately die. Um, So that is pretty much the most common way that they are are killed or are slaughtered um, right right now. Which when you compare that to mammals and chickens. Yeah. Oy. Do you like the fieldwork aspect? I do. And that's kind of what got me into this is I, I always tell people that I'm happiest when I'm dirty. Like if I like that's <laughs> I love like if I can't shower for the week because I'm camping like that, that's where I'm happiest. So, <laughs> so many microbe friends, so many microbe friends. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, if we're all not showering, we don't all realize we smell. So it, you know, <laughs> <laughs> just acclimate, the, acclimate the herd. Yeah. Um, what is the best thing about your job? What do you love so much? Or about entomophagy, anthropology. Right. Um, the best thing I love, my favorite thing, my favorite thing about what I do about entomophagy, anthropology is the fact that I get to teach it. I love talking about it. I love teaching my students. I love giving public talks, but I love being able to do so much science outreach and science communication on both human evolution and on food sustainability and and cross cultural um, issues and biases. Like I hit all of these issues that to me are so important with just this little topic of eating bugs. Tiny, 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 very tiny animals. animals. (laughs) You're really great at what you do. This is is one of my favorite interviews. Yay. Thank you so much. I'm now I'm slightly hungry for cricket. Right. I I am. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, you're welcome. Okay, so you can find Dr. Julie Lesnick at entomoanthro.org. More links, of course, always in the show notes and at alleyward.com. Uh, Ologies is on Twitter and Instagram at Ologies. I'm at alleywards with one L on both. For Ologies merch, like hats and totes and shirts and pins and beanies, you can go to ologiesmerch.com. You can also tag your photos of you in your merch with Ologies merch on Instagram. And then I creep those pictures and I repost them. Thank you to everyone who makes these Smologies episodes possible, including Zeke Rodriguez-Thomas, Mercedes Maitland, and Jarrett Sleeper of MindJam Media. And to keep this short and sweet, there's more credits in the show notes and more episodes of Smologies are at alleyward.com slash Smologies. There's a link to that in the show notes. All free, all kid-friendly. Pass it on. And before I go, I always give you a piece of wardly advice. And this week it is, if there's a chore you don't want to do, set a timer and see how fast you can do it. And then the next time you do it, you'll know how fast it is going to take to get done. It's a lot faster than we think usually. And you can try to beat your last time. And hint, this works for grownups too. A few weeks ago, Jared and I both walked past a basket of clean laundry for a week just kept walking past it because we didn't want to fold it. And then we decided to time it and it took us six minutes to fold it. So we spent a week. A week has 10,080 minutes. We spent a week dreading a six minute task. So maybe next time it'll only take us five minutes and 45 seconds. Who knows? But until next time, Smologites, ask smart people whatever questions you like. Okay, bye-bye. For 
25 years. Nothing has tasted better after a hard day's work than a Mike's Hard Lemonade. It's because since day one, Mike's has been making lemonade the hard way. We use three kinds of lemons, all hand-picked from family farms, then blended to perfection in cold press to create the epic hard lemonade you know and love. Mike's Hard Lemonade. Hard days deserve a hard lemonade. Mike's is hard. So is prison. Don't drive drunk. Premium all beverage with flavors. All registered trademarks used under license by Mike's Hard Lemonade Company, Chicago, Illinois. Spectrum One is a big deal. You get Spectrum Internet with the most reliable internet speeds, free advanced Wi-Fi for enhanced security and privacy, and a free Spectrum Mobile Unlimited line with nationwide 5G included, all while saving big. For the big speed, big reliability, and big savings you want, get Spectrum One. Just $49.99 a month for 12 months. Visit spectrum.com slash big deal for full details. Offer subject to change. Valid for qualified residential customers only. Service not available in all areas. Restrictions apply.